Seven blessings upon you and welcome to the Waiting for Winter podcast. I'm your host, Fraser of House Robinson, joined by my co-host, Kira of House Oldfield. Say hi to the nice people, Kira. Hi. (laughs) And uh, this is a Game of Thrones review and recap podcast. Uh, Full disclosure, both Kira and I are unabashed book snobs, so be prepared for a great deal of whinging. At least on my part. I don't know if, if you feel the same way about that, Kira. Well, I'll try and keep the whinging to a minimum. Yeah, it's but probably, good, no to have a, probably no good to have a balance. Yeah. <laughs> also, for full disclosure, we will be probably talking full spoilers for, for these episodes. Admittedly, some of these first episodes are seven years old, so if you haven't seen them by now, that's probably on you. Also, if you want to keep up with, with new episodes of the podcast, we have uh, Twitter at Winter Podcast on Twitter and we're also on Facebook. There you can find links to the SoundCloud where this will go up. I'll hopefully also be able to get this up on iTunes. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Our hope is to uh, review and recap two episodes of Game of Thrones every week uh, until uh, Season 8 comes out and then do a uh, what I'm thinking is a week-by-week breakdown of each episode as it comes out. So... If you're on board with that, please, please stick around with us until I think March of next year. So, uh, without any further ado, we'll make we'll we'll get started on the first episode. Winter is coming. We start on a, a very long opening shot of a rising gate, like like a weirdly long opening shot as well. Like it's like it's a solid, a solid ten seconds of just watching wooden planks roll past the camera. I think it's to impress upon the viewer of how large this is. I well, don't know. <laughs> it's 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 anything's possible really with HBO. Mm. Three three Nights Watch dudes, uh, Jared, Will, and a charming gentleman named Sir Waymar Royce, ride through the wall and out into the haunted forest on patrol. While they're out there, uh, Will finds a bunch of horrendously mutilated corpses in a in a in a snowdrift, and he wants he wants to flee. And uh, his his other more experienced. Uh, comrade Jared wants to run as well, but uh, Sir Waymar is not afraid of anything because he's young, brash, and stupid. R.I.P. Sir Waymar. <laughs> so they they go back to the spot where the bodies were and find that they've moved. So they have a bit of a, a bit of a search, and uh, Royce is very suddenly and brutally murdered by a shape with blue eyes. Jared and Will run, but yeah. the uh, this this mysterious shape catches Jared and cuts his head off. And uh, that's our that's our cold open for this first episode. No pun intended. <laughs> we immediately get get the opening credits of the show. Yeah, I must say that the the opening I think it's the best opening of like credits that I've ever seen in a show. It was oh, so yeah. that's it's, they're quite compelling. Absolutely and, brilliant. Yeah, and they're, they're very they're very orientating as well because sometimes you're just like, where the hell are we going? Admittedly, <laughs> though. Considering some of the liberties they later take with the uh, scale and geography in later seasons, especially in in season seven, um, it's kind of a kind of a bad decision to open the show with a map of the universe if you're gonna sort of you're gonna fudge, change the map if you're of the universe. Fudge things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So immediately after the opening credits, uh, Will is caught by a Stark patrol south of a wall, and um, this is this is sort of a, a point of confusion for me because. I was I was always a bit confused as to how Will got south of the wall without um going through Castle Black, yeah. Yeah. And it it turns out that in the books 
this this is not the same character from the first chapter. No, no, it's Jared. Yeah, this <laughs> wasn't something I, I found out until recently. I didn't realize that that it was a different a different character, who just who just a guy at Castle Black who, when the patrol didn't return, decided to decided to to make a break for it. So um, yeah, which which makes a bit more sense. <laughs> my book snobbery credentials take an immediate hit. <laughs> No, I was I always wondered why they did that because that is said it's very incongruous. It's like we should go back to the wall, but and then all of a sudden he's past the wall. And you're like, well, that doesn't. I think I always imagined it was like one of those sort of cartoonish man-shaped holes that go right through the wall. Like he was so terrified, <laughs> just straight he through just the wall. punched right through it imagine, and kept going. Imagine if anyone else could do that. So we cut now to Winterfell and meet the Stark kids. Yeah. Bran, Rob, and John are practicing their archery while Arya and Sansa are doing some sewing. Ned is a is a uh, good dad to Bran when uh, <laughs> when his older siblings tease him about not being good at archery. Supportive father figure. Yes, indeed. And um, sort of at the moment when it looks like Bran's about to succeed, uh, Arya steals his thunder by uh, sneaking out and uh, hitting the bullseye that they're shooting for. So there's a nice little sort of family dynamic going on where we see the siblings having their kind of their sibling rivalry moment, and the and the parents are all sort of. Oh, those kids. Yeah, no, it's it's very... It's kind of strange, but it's very American family-esque in comparison to the books. Because in the yeah, books, it's it very, is... like, we are northern family. And Arya it's doesn't shoot kind of... bows either. <laughs> yeah, it's almost kind of Brady Bunch in a way. Like, it's... Like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting scene. And um, so interrupting uh, fun family time is... Uh, Sir Roderick, the uh, the master at arms at Winterfell, who delivers news that the patrol has caught Will, and Ned and Cat yep. have a bit of an argument about Bran seeing the execution, and uh, Ned says the magic words, "Winter is coming." <laughs> that was a great accent. So we we cut now to the execution scene, and uh, Will tells Ned what he yep. saw, and sort of regrets not going back to Castle Black didn't mean that to rhyme then uh choppy choppy happens and i'm i'm a bit curious why this execution block is just sitting out in the middle of nowhere it's for this exact purpose if you look at the scene it's not just like a random tree stump it's an actual like like headsman's block which is yeah it's a bit weird well, i mean like they have the ceremonial sword and the ceremonial headsman block to execute earthbreakers <laughs> I'd never thought of it like that. I mean, it seems like a bit of an inconvenience. It's like, well, we could execute this guy just here, but we've got no, to we ride, have to go and get know, a third Lord Stark and get him bring the sword, and then we'll go to the block, and then we'll, then we'll execute him. So we'll, we'll execute you about a week from now. Is that all right? Yeah. No bail. Sorry. And, uh, once a, there's a there's a great little um a great little scene where John kind of gives Bran some. Uh, I guess some encouragement. Yeah. Like, in the, in the form of sort of being like, you you have to you have to look at this, you have to see this because it's it's a an important part of your, I don't know, becoming a mature adult. Sure. Which is a bit weird, <laughs> but you know. Everybody needs to see a beheading to become a fully realized adult. I I know that uh, having never seen a beheading, I'm still very immature. <laughs> that's what's wrong. Yep, that's what's wrong with me. Uh, so Ned is once again a good dad to Bran, kind of, kind of sort of being like, "Do you know why I had to kill him?" 
it's like our way is the old way the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword which I think is a something that that uh, both in the books as well I think is a great sort of sentiment like the idea of sort of justice being something that you have that you can't delegate to other people yeah it's it's the it's something I've always appreciated it the punish the punishment <coughs> must Excuse be me. you must be willing to do it yourself if you want to hand it down it makes sense hmm so the Starks ride home and they find that a deer and a direwolf had a throwdown. <laughs> a very, 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 very grand symbolism of a of a stag and a direwolf having uh, having killed each other. And the Stark kids find the direwolf puppies of destiny. <laughs> yes. And we have that great scene of uh, of John kind of looking sad, and then yeah, and also also where um. It was really John's idea to keep the puppies because uh, they were they were about to sort of they were about to mercy kill them because their mother was dead. But uh, John intervenes and insists that the uh, direwolf puppies are symbolic because of the five puppies, five Stark children, that sort of thing. And it's yeah, it's an interesting interesting moment of I guess a hint at some sort of connection to to the magical aspect of this universe. Yeah, yeah. even if it's just a subtle one. I think it's uh what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm I'm blanking. Uh, I'm gonna go with symbolic and be very. I was gonna out. say. <laughs> is, I was gonna say auspicious. Yeah, that's 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 a good word. And now we cut to King's Landing. John Aaron, hand of the king, is dead, and uh, th- that's all we see of John Aaron, just him lying in state. John in front Aaron of the being Iron dead. Throne. It's an odd addition to the show where characters that are lying in state have these like eyes with like rocks with eyes painted on them laid over their actual eyes it's it's very weird and i yeah, don't I think, remember I think that any was references a... to it in the in the books i don't remember either i think it's there just the the show's like call to there being a pantheon of gods that yeah. sort of idea like it's like oh well this is for the gods so we're just pointing out the fact that there are gods that we do this for and then <laughs> mm. It's a stylistic choice, and it's a it's a yeah. it's a bit weird. I must I must say. I think it, maybe it's just to point out that they are in fact dead. Mm. It's like, oh, has he still got the anime eyes? Yep, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not just sleeping. Um, most certainly dead. <laughs> so Jamie and Cersei have a sort of a cryptic conversation at the edges of the throne room where uh, John Aaron is lying, which is another odd thing. Why is he lying in state in the throne room rather than? in, in the, the chapel. sept but yeah. um, anyway the they have a cryptic conversation about what John Aaron might have known and who he might have told so uh, yeah. some some very heavy foreshadowing takes place in that scene there are secrets <laughs> <laughs> and we cut to Winterfell the castle is preparing for the royal visit and uh, we have this this rather uh, I hesitate to say gratuitous scene of uh Shirtless Theon, shirtless Rob, and shirtless John all just hanging out and having a bit of a banter. So, and having a shave. If there are any fans of uh, any fans of uh, chiseled abs in the audience, that is the scene for you. Well, I mean, like they had to they had to come right out of the out of the gate and going. There's going to be nudity and it's going to be equal. <laughs> well, I I for one certainly appreciated it. Yeah. And so the the day of the arrival comes and uh, Bran is climbing about on the roof which yep. we soon learn he is 
very much not allowed to do when he climbs down and runs straight into his mother who who gives him a bit of a a bit of a bollocking about it Mm -hmm. so the royals arrive great big procession of of horses and knights and a big carriage and um there's an odd an interesting but odd and interesting where um the whole royal party arrives in the in the in the courtyard of Winterfell and Arya kind of some of Arya's dialogue is sort of exposition in a way she's like oh look that's important yeah, the, character the, and their title yeah no I think it was just because up to this point in the show there's been no indication that Cersei and like what who they are mm. and who they're related to and I feel like if they they haven't had that bit of exposition from Sansa and Arya that we wouldn't have known that <laughs> yeah it's 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 a reasonable thing to do it just it just I guess felt a little bit clumsy but uh, yeah that's they definitely added, I think that's definitely a thing they added afterwards and was like oh okay <laughs> yeah that's just, that's just me being snobbish again um, Robert I have written here in my notes Robert is a bit of a lad <laughs> yep that describes it pretty well so he does this does this little thing with Bran where uh He's like, oh, show us your muscles, and it's yeah, it's very kind of very very sort of middle ages frat bro, which <laughs> really Robert Robert was his entire life. But uh, I was about to say, like it's a very apt description of Robert mm. Baratheon as middle ages frat boy. Hmm. <laughs> so Ned and Robert go down to Winterfell's crypt, and uh, while there, Robert offers Ned the uh, the handship. And they have mm. a bit of a they have a bit of a bit of a reminisce about the past, and uh, Robert formally offers to marry Joffrey to Sansa, so that sets the whole ball rolling in that one yeah. little scene of of the whole southern intrigue aspect. Yep, yep. Jamie goes in search of his brother Tyrion, who is at a brothel, <laughs> and uh, we get another sort of exposition scene of a. Uh, of Tyrion and a prostitute kind of talking in the third person about Tyrion. <laughs> Becomes about, a trend, I feel. Yeah, they talk about, oh, I hear he's a staunted little imp, and it's like, he's right in front of you, Roz, Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> Jamie comes in and sort of says to Tyrion, oh, I, I don't want to be alone with these people, because there's not much love lost between the Starks and the Lannisters. Yeah. And, uh, Tyrion says that uh, he's not going to go to the feast because he's because the uh, Roz is the first of many courses, quote unquote, which is <laughs> quite an insulting thing to say about someone while they're sitting in your lap. But you know, I mean, all, he's he's guaranteeing business for the brothel for the evening. I don't think that's fair enough. He's stimulating <laughs> the local economy. Yeah, yeah. Pour some, put some of that Lannister gold to actual good good use. <laughs> actual good use I love that so back down in the crypt Robert is mooning because in 15 years he hasn't let go of his obsession with Ned's dead sister (laughs) only a tiny bit creepy at this point but Mm. and uh, they sort of talk about what happened in the uh, the Baratheon rebellion when Robert became king and overthrew the Targaryens and they have that they have a, a sort of a, a signpost of a transition where they, the Targaryens are gone. Not like all, not of, all them. of them. Yeah. And <laughs> now we cut to across the narrow sea in Pentos, 
where young Daenerys Targaryen is staring mournfully at the ocean. <laughs> it's quite it's quite interesting seeing Danny in this season compared to having recently seen her in you know sort of later seasons. She's so small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she's she looks very young in this scene. I mean, it's almost but, like they. I mean, you know how they've they've aged up from the books. Mm. She she looks the age she should be in the books in this yeah. scene. I feel because <laughs> she's she's it, what she, she was... she's only like thirteen or fourteen or so yeah, in the, in yeah, the she's, books, I believe. I think yeah, I think she's thirteen when they when the, when they start. Mm. Yeah, she looks thirteen. <laughs> mm. So Danny's brother Viserys uh, brings Danny her wedding dress and. Mm. Uh, and you know, cops are feel at the same time. <laughs> so you know, Targaryens it's a Targaryen and their tradition. You must mm. keep the family traditions alive. You have to feel up the bride on her, on her wedding. Especially if she's your sister. <laughs> now, Danny, after the serious leave, she gets into a scalding hot bath, but apparently doesn't seem to feel the heat. So another another magical plot point is uh, is dangled in front of us there. Yep. Although it should be noted that in the books, Danny isn't a hundred percent immune to fire all the time. It only really happens at sort of points of magical significance. But this is a point of magical significance. She's sad. That's a good point. <laughs> Hush my mouth, I guess. <laughs> but no, I think in the show they were just like blanket immune to hot things. Mm. It's it's probably it makes just it easier. <laughs> yeah, easier from a narrative standpoint. Yeah. So it's actually no. It's only when it's particularly magic. Just make it. Just make it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, outside the uh, the mansion where they're staying, uh, Danny, Viserys, and their host, one Illyrio Mopatis, await the arrival of Khal Drogo, who uh, Danny will be marrying. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to start a little segment on the show where I point out well-known actors who really are just too good to be slumming it. In Game of Thrones, <laughs> so I'd like to give a shout out to Roger Allen, who plays uh, who who plays Illyrio Mopatis, yeah, celebrated yeah. British comedy actor Roger Allen, who really is too good for this. What is he in? What what else has he been in? Um, have you ever seen The Thick of It? Yes, yes. Yeah, he and plays you are, one you are, of the. You will him from somewhere. Yeah, he plays <gasps> one of the opposition politicians in The Thick of It, and he's also in the Speed Racer movie. Although I have not seen that I, one. I doubt that's of less interest to most people. It's a it's apparently garbage. <laughs> I see you don't agree. <laughs> um no, I, I I always rather liked it. It's very sort of camp and stylistic, but I think for some people right. it was too stylistic. Anyway, further on, uh, Viserys and Illyrio have a bit of a, a scheme about what the plan is, i.e. Mm. marrying Danny to Drogo, using Drogo's enormous army to Cross the narrow sea and reconquer, reconquer the Iron Throne. And um, the, yeah, Viserys reminds Danny why they can't go back to Westeros and continues to be a creep with that yep, yep. really just incredible line about letting <laughs> forty thousand men <laughs> and all their horses uh, yeah. have their way with Danny. So Viserys really, really not not showing himself to be anything other than a bit of a weirdo. I mean, he's inbred. <laughs> you have to give him. Well, yeah. Sort of genetic. Yeah. So now we cut back to Winterfell, and uh, we have a little scene of Sansa fretting about whether or not Joffrey will like her. 
<sighs> and yeah. Worry not, small one. It'll be fine. Side eyes. <laughs> um, and we have this sort of montage of of revelry happening in Winterfell's Great Hall. Yep. It's a rather nice scene, actually. Everybody's sort of you know having a good time, and and it, it certainly uh, serves to undercut some of the later just awfulness that happens to some of these people. Yeah. Except John, he's left out in the show. He's not yes, allowed. Indeed. To, he's not allowed to be inside. Yeah, John. Because yeah, <laughs> in the books, yeah, in the books, John is is allowed inside, just not at yeah. the high table. No, he sits. I think he sits with the the squires and things. Yeah. But no, we're here. The 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 relationship that they portrayed in the show between Caitlin and John, it's far more severe. I feel. Hang on and a second. I Hang on a second. Pardon? Did you just say Caitlin? I did. Catlin. Caitlin. <laughs> Sorry, I've I've been I've been given I've been given shit for some of my pronunciations relating to this series, so I'll I promise I won't do that again, but No, it's okay. No. I just felt like calling attention to it. No, that's alright. <laughs> I've seen it written down more than I've mm-hmm. seen it said recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, fair it's, enough. It's such a severe like she hates him in the show. Whereas in the book, she's sort of just like ambivalent, ambivalent. about it. <laughs> yeah, she really, I'm... she would rather it hadn't have happened or hadn't have mm. what she thought had happened. But it's now, it's here now, so we'll deal with it. Whereas in mm. the show, she's like actively hates him. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I think I'm not sure in the books. Do they talk about how John is sort of technically a threat to Rob's legitimacy as heir to Winterfell, or... I seem I to recall that being remember. in there somewhere. But it probably is. They talk about a lot of things about heirs and things, but I I don't remember explicitly. My memory's not great, though. I might be misremembering. No, okay. But yeah, no, it's... Is he, though? I mean, they know he's a, he's been claimed as a bastard at this point, so... I think it's just a general question that hangs over all bastards, regardless of... Yeah that have been sort of acknowledged so instead of being allowed inside at the feast John is outside in the courtyard just laying into a training dummy with his sword (laughs) when uh, Ned's brother Benjen Stark arrives from Castle Black Mm. Uh, Benjen is a a man of the Night's Watch and First Ranger John and Benjen have a bit of a chat about John possibly joining the Night's Watch so that's that plot point set up uh, Benjen goes inside and Tyrion appears and uh, Tyrion and John have a bit of a chat about both being sort of outcasts and I'd just like to uh, repeat a quote from the book right now which I, I really love po- probably one of my favourite passages from mm. the books it's from this scene when uh, Tyrion goes inside to the feast after talking to John. when he opened the door the light from within threw his shadow clear across the yard and just for a moment Tyrion Lannister stood as tall as a king. That's that's good. <laughs> I I absolutely adore that passage. It's really quite quite amazing. So, uh, back inside, Ned and Benjen have a bit of a chat about what happened with Will. And uh, Sansa gets introduced to Cersei. Yep. And Ned and Jaime have a bit of a moment where they exchange veiled threats with one another. <laughs> Our wives have told us to be nice to each other. (laughs) Yeah. Later on, uh, Ned and Kat are in bed after what is described in the books as an intense lovemaking (laughs) session. 
but is only really alluded to like no joke uh cat talks about how much her genitals hurt so that's so that's fun i'd forgotten about that have you I'd forgotten about that have you ever seen the game of thrones graphic novel no i'm i i stumbled across it and in the scene like it's it's ridiculous for, for starters, Ned looks like like a jacked Jesus, like with the <laughs> hair and the beard, and also just absolutely cut. And then Cat does not look like she's had five children, if you catch my meaning. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So shout out to the artist for the uh, for the Game of Thrones graphic novel. Although I guess it's more in line with the books than it is with the show. Still. So after I found, I found session... an image of Carl Drogo and Danny <laughs> from oh, the graphic yeah. novel. Holy shit! <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Is it the one where they're looking at each other and he is like seven feet tall and she's maybe four feet tall? Like it's no, no, he's standing behind her and like got his hands on her shoulders and she's literally the width of his waist, and then he's about <laughs> three times the size at the top. <laughs> oh yes, I know that. I know that one. Wow. Okay, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to investigate that. That looks hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing some of the artwork in that in that comic. So yeah, Ned and Cat are, are lying in bed discussing Robert's offer, and uh, their positions are actually reversed from uh, from from in the books. Uh, Ned uh, doesn't want Ned doesn't want the job, but Cat does want him to take the job in the books. Yeah. <laughs> because Cat is concerned that Robert will see it as an insult if he doesn't go if Ned, yeah if ned turns it down but in the show uh yeah ned ned is like my duty and cat yeah, she's like yeah. no don't go <laughs> yeah, I, I love you and um so yeah that's an interesting interesting sort of change from uh from in the I don't, in the books i don't see the logic of it maybe yeah, maybe it it's like like the same arguments would have been had if it was the other way around i don't know maybe mm stereotypical gender roles question mark I'm yeah, not sure <laughs> I think I think that's that's actually another segment I'd like to introduce at this time uh, a segment called they did her dirty which is uh, <laughs> a, a sequence of discussions about how various female characters have been uh, done dirty and right. in this scene cat uh, was indeed done dirty <laughs> so um, I'd, I'd actually like to credit credit my um, the person who came up with the idea for this podcast, Olivia Nelly, for that uh, that particular segment of the show. So, uh, it's a pretty good Olivia, idea. Olivia, if you're listening, <laughs> I'd like to take this time to acknowledge your contribution. <laughs> Maester Lewin enters the enters the room with a letter from Cat's sister, Lysa Aaron, accusing Cersei of uh, murdering John Aaron, which we 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 later find out was not the case. No. But, uh, this is this is this is another aspect of the intrigue of this of of the series. Yeah. And we have this interesting shot of uh, Ned staring out into the into the night out of the window, and behind him are framed Cat uh, and Lewin, like sort of the angel and devil. Yeah. On on his shoulders, because they both have differing uh, positions on whether or not Ned should take the job. Yeah. And now we cut back to Pentos, and it's Danny and Drogo's wedding. Fun times. Uh, Illyrio and Viserys discuss the invasion of Westeros. Jorah Mormont appears for the first time and presents Danny with some books about Westeros. 
Yep. And Illyrio presents drag uh, presents Danny with the dragon eggs of destiny. <laughs> dragon eggs from the Shadowlands. <laughs> the really, the really probably the biggest magical uh, MacGuffins of, of of the series are, are now in play. So yep. uh, there are dragons. For those of you, yeah, for those of you keeping score of the magical MacGuffins at home, that is that is technically number two, but it's definitely the big one. Yeah. Drogo presents Danny with. Just, just a cool horse. I mean, that horse is beautiful. You must it is say. a beautiful horse, and uh, a lot, a lot, a, a, a much bigger deal is made of the horse in the book. Yeah. Because it is, it is very important, I think, in in the Dothraki tradition that a a husband present his new wife with a with a suitable horse. And it's a very and suitable it is, horse. It's made very clear that the horse is indeed more than suitable. <laughs> So Danny and Drogo ride off and have a, a very uncomfortable uh, sexual encounter by the sea. Yeah. And uh, now we're going to have a, a second, a second uh, instance of they did, well, them dirty in this case. The both Danny and Drogo, their relationship in the show is a lot less. It's a lot more rapey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. It's not as um. I guess not as loving, at least in the beginning, as it is. Yeah, I mean, like in the show, re- like in the in the show, in the book, it was definitely like she didn't want to, but it wasn't mm. an entirely unpleasant experience. Yeah, <laughs> as I recall, that that first time was was a bit sort of less overtly uh, unpleasant for yeah, Danny, yeah. which is so. Yeah, they did they did them dirty. Mm. We cut back to Winterfell now. Ned and Robert go off hunting, despite Ned not really wanting to, but, you know, <laughs> Robert's the king, what are you going to do? Lads, 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 lads. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Bran decides to go for a bit of a climb on the old keep of Winterfell and uh, stumbles on Jamie and Cersei banging it out. <laughs> which, uh, you know... Dun, dun, dun. Catalyst for many, 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 many things. Hmm... <laughs> And so Jamie sort of makes it look like he's not going to be too mad about it, and then he is mad about yep. it and throws Bran out the window. I love how and they checked. Bran... Like, he checked. He's like, how old are you? Okay, you understand yeah. what we were doing. Now you go out the window. <laughs> yep. It's like, we were just wrestling. Oh, you know that's a lie? All right. Death time. <laughs> yeah. Out you go. And so Bran falls to earth, and we roll credits yep. on the first episode. So... We're now we've now got all the major sort of plot points rolling, the intrigue, the the mundane side and the magical side both now in play. The dragons. <laughs> A very strong first episode, Game of Thrones, actually. Yeah, no, it's very compelling. It tells you lots of things like this will be coming and this will be interesting mm. in the future. It's a good it's a good first episode of a show. <laughs> It does its job. I think definitely one of the better ones. Yeah. With all that HBO money behind it. Yep. <clears throat> so now we move on to the second episode we're going to be discussing. Episode 2 of Season 1, The King's Road. We open on the Dothraki Sea. Drogo's Kalasar is on the move. Danny and Jorah have a bit of a chat about Dothraki culture, including the legend of the ghost grass, which I think is probably one of my favourite sort of mythological uh, aspects of yeah. this universe. There's this legend that one day this ghost grass will cover the entire world and that's how the world will end. And It's it's just kind of cool and I, I yeah. rather like it. So 
Shout out to whoever came up with that. George R. R. Martin, presumably. The Kalasar makes camp for the night, and Jorah and Viserys have a bit of a conversation about why Jorah had to leave Westeros. Mm. Namely, that he was caught selling slaves to pay for his expensive wife, and that Ned Stark was about to come and bring the hammer down, take him to the uh, the special execution block with the special <laughs> sword. The ceremonial execution block with the ceremonial sword. <laughs> Not just for Night's Watch deserters anymore. <laughs> we cut to Winterfell, and Tyrion wakes up hungover in the kennels. We have this, this this sort of funny scene of Tyrion sort of lying unconscious in the straw and a dog licking his face, which is very sort of... I think that that's that's very common shorthand for a person is waking up from a hangover. Yeah, it's a good shorthand. I think it mm. works well. Joffrey shows up, and Tyrion and Joffrey have a bit of a chat about etiquette, and we get the iconic triple slap. Oh, yeah. Where, where, where Tyrion gives Joffrey once with the front, once with the back, once again with the front, and it's... What else is the point of a bitch slap apart from to turn your hand around so you can do it again? Intensely, intensely satisfying. So uh, so very early on we immediately get some uh, some comeuppance for Joffrey and his unrelenting... The only unrelenting, one for a very long time, I feel. Unrelenting dickishness. Tyrion goes hold, to the... Hold on that memory in dark times. Yeah. So Tyrion goes to the dining hall where his siblings and their and uh, and um, Tommen and Marcella are having breakfast. Mm-hmm. They have a, a bit of a chat about Bran's condition, and sort of Jamie and Cersei express their concern that uh, that Bran might wake up, but they sort of guise it as, oh, well, it, it wouldn't be much of a life being crippled because he probably is crippled. Yeah. He should probably be better for him if he dies, and you know Tyrion is clearly not buying their concern no <laughs> and can, can sort of very clearly see that they don't want Bran to wake up for, for reasons of their own do you think Tyrion ever, ever knew about, about what, hap- what was happening with Jamie and Cersei? I think he, I think he figured it out yeah I think, I think he had to have known in some, in some capacity because he, he was around when they started doing it as teenagers hmm and they must they would have been much worse at hiding it then, I feel. So Cause I think he's only about five years younger yeah. than them, so I mean and he's not. He would have stupid. been what, eleven? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thereabouts. In Bran's room, Kat is standing vigil over over Bran. Cersei comes in and they have a bit of a chat about motherhood. And Cersei Make mentions Make up a child. <laughs> yeah. Cersei mentions yeah, that that first child, a first child that she and Robert had that didn't survive, which doesn't actually work with the timeline of either the show or the books. I think. Yeah, no, because it was it's a it's a fabrication of the show. Mm. That, that that doesn't actually work in the timeline of the show. I think. No, I don't. I don't think it does. So, yeah, Maybe? I imagine we might have to publish a retraction <laughs> about that. Draw it out and find yeah. a timeline. <laughs> but but, no, the, um, yeah, because in in the books it was definitely like she she'd gotten pregnant by Rob, but she had an abortion. Yeah, and when it, it that, very much when that happened, <laughs> it ver- it very much becomes a part of her of her character that she would do everything that she could to avoid getting pregnant. Yeah, uh, by Robert rather than Jamie. 
The other thing in this scene is that Cat is in the process of making some sort of weird dreamcatcher thing <laughs> that never gets mentioned until season three. Yeah. <laughs> like that 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 never gets talked about or brought up again until, you know, two seasons down the line. So great storytelling, really. <laughs> you and, remember um, this thing that we saw for a grand total of maybe ten seconds at the second episode of the show no pity well here it is again <laughs> and in the in the castle forge jamie and john have a bit of a chat about duty because it, it's now sort of common knowledge that john is planning on joining the night's watch mm. jamie jamie does a trump style handshake <laughs> on john he grabs his hand and pulls it in close like it's yeah yeah it's i just thought it was funny aria is in her room packing for king's landing John comes in and gives her a sword that he had uh, Winterfell's blacksmith Micken make, mm. and Arya names it Needle. And so this Great is a, a very, very sort of a very important moment in Arya's character development. Like Sansa has her needles, I have mine, and this is this is this is a big a big moment for Arya. Yeah. So Arya and John have a bit of a tender moment, and then John goes to say goodbye to Bran, which upsets Cat. And again, yeah. we, we have what we talked about before, that kind of overt hostility that Cat uh, has toward John. Yeah, which is, uh, because of the way they portrayed that relationship, I'm really surprised that they didn't put in... Because in the books, Lady, she she asks John to leave. Mm. Whereas here, she didn't. And I, I thought that would that that part would have fit with the way that they were doing this character, or these, the relationship between these two characters in the show. So... I don't know, maybe there just wasn't time, but... Yeah. It would have made sense for her to ask him to leave now as well. Because in that scene, she does, like... She says, I want you to go, but it's 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 sort of more intended as she wants him to leave the room rather than to leave the castle, so... Mm. I don't know that we can really count that. Yeah. Um, out in the castle yard, uh, Rob and John have a tender goodbye moment as well. No. Uh, next time I see you, you'll be all in black, says Rob, which is, uh, you know, unfortunate because they will never see each other again. Yeah. Just in case you were you were thinking you about forget. having, yeah. just in, in case you were thinking about forgetting that everything ends horribly, this is your friendly reminder that everything ends horribly. Then out on the King's Road, John, Benjamin, and Tyrion turn to go north, while Ned, Robert, and the Royals all turn south. Ned promises to tell John about his mother when they next meet, and uh, this is another another scene where these two characters will never see each other again. Because everything ends horribly. <laughs> yes, indeed. The dramatic irony, even though we didn't know it at the time, is is very strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so further further down the road, Ned and Robert stop for lunch, and they have a bit of a a bit of a reminisce again about the old days, including John's mother. Which Ned Ned drops a name Wyla, who was in in the canon John's actual nursemaid. Yeah. And uh, and one of the names, one of the many names that Ned has kind of encouraged people to think might be John's mother, to to draw attention away from the truth. Yeah. Spoilers: uh, She's not his mother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Robert shows Ned a message that's come from King's Landing about Danny. And her wedding to Drogo, and they have a disagreement about assassinating Danny. 
and there's this weird comment that uh, that Robert makes that a war is coming, which I don't know seems a bit odd. It seems a bit preemptive. I, I, yeah, like the tension between the Starks and the Lannisters at this point, like it's not to the point where it's going to be a war, definitely. So it's yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. In the in the books, they talk about how. Westeros would be impossible to conquer while Robert's alive because he has such a strong uh, hold on power and strong alliances. Yeah. So I, I I don't see why Robert would think that there's a, there's such a big threat to the kingdom at that point. But I don't know. So now we cut to the Dothraki Sea and we get a rather this rather uncomfortable scene of uh, Drogo raping Danny. Yep. Which again is yeah it's not not it's not as removed from the book portrayal of their relationship but it's still a bit sort of it's a bit intense i feel a bit harsh <laughs> yeah it doesn't yeah. need to be that intense there's a great story from the production of this scene actually of um jason momoa who plays carl drogo coming onto set wearing a sock puppet <laughs> on his penis <laughs> and they had to take they had to take a 10 minute break because amelia clark couldn't stop laughing so uh, <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. In case you were in case you were worried about that scene being a bit too oh, no. there is a, bit of, a bit of levity happening in the background. Yeah. And sort of while while this is happening in the context of the scene, Danny has a, a bit of a premonition about the dragons. Yep. And now we cut back to the north. The group heading for the wall have stopped for the night. Tyrion taunts John about the criminals that join the Night's Watch, because at mm. some point the, they picked up some criminals that are being sent up to the wall as punishment and Tyrion talks about why he reads so much and we have we have another great quote a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone it's a, it is a, it is a, an appropriate exposition of his character mm. <laughs> can't do swords yeah, I, so I, I, I do books <laughs> yeah I think it's I think it's quite cool I, I rather like it I still don't know why they couldn't just give him a small sword <laughs> like if he's so into swords, just give him a small sword. <laughs> so we we cut back to Winterfell. Cat is still watching over Bran, and Maester Lewin comes in and reminds Cat that there are still things that need to be done around the castle. Rob comes in and says, "You know, I'll take care of them," which is a nice little moment of Rob sort of stepping up and taking responsibility for things. Rob gets called away because a fire has broken out elsewhere in the castle, and while Rob is away some some guy comes in and uh, tries to murder Bran. <laughs> some guy. <laughs> when he, he, he wasn't expecting to find Cat there, but nevertheless goes for it anyway, and Cat gets very, very badly injured. She's got these big cuts on her hands. Yep. And at that point, it looks like she's about to lose and, and you know, she and Bran are going to die when uh, the direwolf, Bran's direwolf, Summer, comes just flying out of nowhere and absolutely brutalizes this guy like it is it is messy there's just just you know arterial blood and everything and the throat is then removed <laughs> from the man <laughs> that is that is one way of putting it yes and then right when right as soon as everything's done summer just hops back up onto brand's bed like nothing ever really happened so uh that's a fun scene, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And we cut back to the Dothraki Sea. Danny asks her handmaids about dragons. 
Dorea, the the one non-Dothraki handmaiden that that Danny has, tells Danny the myth of the dragon egg moon, that uh, the Planetos used to have two moons until one of them got too close to the sun, and the dragons broke out of it because it was actually a giant egg, and they drank the sun's fire, and that's why dragons breathe fire. Yep. It's thousands of dragons. <laughs> does it? I'm not sure that it appears in the books, to the best of my recollection. I honestly couldn't tell you, but I don't I remember it happening. <laughs> recalling that wrong, but it's it's an interesting, it's another interesting sort of mythology that 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 appears in the show, and it's another one that I think is quite cool. Yeah. And in that same scene, Danny asks Dorea to teach her how to please Drogo. <laughs> please, yeah. in, uh, in in nice big quote quotation marks there. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the north. John, Tyrion, and Benjen arrive at the wall, and this is the first time as an audience yeah. that we see the wall in its full scale, like this, so this big. gigantic it's piece so of big. <laughs> piece of architecture. Although I feel like they could have employed elevators in other places, <laughs> mm. but no, mm. <laughs> it's just this one place. Yep. And we cut back to Winterfell. Cat investigates the spot where Bran fell and finds a strand of golden hair, which I choose to believe is one of Jamie's pubes. <laughs> There's nothing saying it wasn't. Mm. It's it's entirely my head canon. So Cat uh, calls Rob, Theon, Lewin, and uh, Sir Roderick to the Godswood, where she presents her theory that Bran was uh, thrown from the tower, possibly by a Lannister and she resolves to go to King's Landing incognito and present Ned with her findings. I mean, like, she could totally just catch up with them, but okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's odd that they don't, that, uh, this is, this is also sort of in the, in the books as well, that Cat doesn't manage to catch up with the royal party, because I, I would imagine they'd be moving a lot slower. I mean, there's like a hundred of them, isn't there? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of people. But And then anyway. they go through all, like, the bullshit that's just about to come and there's just lots mm. of delays i feel like if she'd hustled it would have been all right and also i think i think if, if i recall correctly in the books they go by ship they ride from winterfell down to white harbor and then take a ship from white harbor to king's landing yes so yeah don't know what that was about anyway we cut back to the dothraki sea and danny is getting lessons from dorea <laughs> we get this very sort of intense scene of, of the two of them kind of practicing on each other yeah <laughs> and later danny puts dorea's teachings to the test on drogo and it's and it works work. works <laughs> and we, we do start to get this more sort of loving aspect of their relationship coming into it yeah at long last and now we cut to Darry in the riverlands a castle where the royal procession is encamped for the night Sansa is uh, wandering around the camp trying and failing to make friends with the other women when she has a rather uncomfortable encounter with Sir Ilan Payne and the Hound from which Joffrey rescues her in one of his few moments of uh, of being nice to people which is immediately yeah. ruined by the next scene. Oh yeah. Down he's also, by the... the thing about Joffrey is that like he he looks like a shit while he's being nice to him like nice to people even at mm. this point in the show. Like, yeah. I'm probably super biased by the rest of the events, but even now you look at him and you're like, I hate you. No, no, I, I think <laughs> shout out to Jack Gleason for just oh, yeah. <laughs> being so good at selling this 
nice but still being a dick routine mm. that uh, he does for quite a bit of his performance as Joffrey. Yeah. So down by the trident, uh, Arya is practicing sword fighting with a peasant boy called Micah. Mm-hmm. Joffrey and Sansa come along, uh, Joffrey having just offered alcohol to a minor. <laughs> uh, in this case, Sansa. Are they, and, are they both minors? Isn't Joffrey a minor? Yeah, is Joffrey there a is minor? indeed a minor. But, is there um, a concept of minors in this universe? <laughs> uh, I think there is technically, but not when it comes to to the uh, the distribution of alcohol. No. So, yeah, Sansa and Joffrey come across Arya and Micah having their, their practice fighting, and while they're watching, Micah manages to sort of hit Arya, which Joffrey takes umbrage with, like... I really don't know what's going through his mind in this scene. I think, if I think he was just wanting to be a dick. Because <laughs> mm. I think I think there was some aspect of there's some aspect of uh, like he wants to sort of impress Sansa or something, but yeah, I... like impress Sansa and insert himself into other people's business and mm. yeah, just generally being annoying. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joffrey threatens Micah with his sword. Because he's like, well, you you struck my lady's sister, and you're just a peasant boy. And at which point, Arya he cuts her. He cuts him, doesn't he? Yeah, he he, he cuts yeah. him. He cuts his cheek a little bit. At which point, Arya sort of attacks Joffrey with the with the piece of wood she's been using as a practice sword. And you know, Joffrey's about to go go hard out on her when, out of the blue, in a in a in a parallel to the earlier scene, Arya's direwolf Nymeria comes flying in and just <laughs> rips into Joffrey. Direwolves for MVP this episode, I feel. Oh, absolutely! Another another great scene of uh, of of catharsis for watching Joffrey suffer. <laughs> and to add insult to injury, Arya throws Joffrey's sword in the river. So that's a, a resounding. <laughs> a resounding and triumphant uh, fuck you to Joffrey. Which is scene. immediately dismantled. <laughs> mm. So Arya and Nymeria hide from search parties, mm-hmm. and Arya realises that she has to drive Nymeria off so she doesn't get killed. And this scene... It Makes me so sad. <laughs> absolutely heartbreaking that she has to sort of send away her beloved pet, which is... Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. We see her again, right? We do? Mm. Yeah, do. In, yeah. In, in season seven, yeah. mm. Nymeria makes another appearance. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. The search for Arya continues into the night, and Ned's getting more and more frantic, like the great dad that he is. <laughs> Jory Cassell catches Protective father him. figure! <laughs> yeah. Jory catches up to him and tells him that Arya has been found and brought straight to Robert by, by some of Cersei's men. Which you know sends Ned into an absolute panic. Yep. In the Great Hall of Castle Darry, uh, Joffrey lies about what happened by the river. Yep. Which Arya disputes in the strongest possible terms. <laughs> and for a small child. <laughs> yeah. Cersei brings out Sansa, who denies uh... knowing anything about what happened, and Arya lashes out at her. Robert just dis- just says, "You know what, Ned? You sort out your children. I'll sort out mine. We'll call it quits." But Cersei insists that Sansa's direwolf lady be put to death in place of Nymeria. Which also solidifies Cersei as a bitch. Hmm. Which, you know, it drives a bit of a wedge between Ned and Robert because Ned kind of appeals to Robert to overrule Cersei, but Robert decides not to. And so 
yeah, Ned decides that, all right, well, then I'll do the job myself because I don't want some butcher like Sir Ellen Payne just making a mess of it. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. And just as a, as a sort of, as an audience member's perspective, you can see the moment when Arya decides that she wants to kill Cersei and Joffrey. Yeah, it, like, yeah. <laughs> if you watch Arya's face in that scene, it's just in, just intensely expressive. So, you know, shout out to 11-year-old Maisie Williams for uh, <laughs> for some really incredible facial acting right there. Outside the castle, Ned meets the Hound, who has the corpse of Arya's friend Micah. So it's a real, real downer note, and in, 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 in what becomes an even further downer note. Yep. We cut briefly to Winterfell, and Bran's direwolf Summer can sense that something is wrong. We cut back to Darry. Ned does the deed, and it's again very, very brutal. Like, like just the little noise of the of the direwolf yeah. is just. Yeah. <sighs> and then we cut back to Winterfell, and Bran wakes up yep and that's that's roll credits for the episode like it the way they cut it it, it definitely seems like the killing of the dire wolf was what woke bran up which is mm. certainly not a thing but <laughs> it's i guess it's as good a way as any to sort of hint to the magical connection that yeah exists between the children and the dire wolves so yeah any final thoughts before we wrap up kira um I don't think so. I think well, just overall, there's so there, there, a really good start mm. just from a general TV perspective. It's a really good start to a series, and it's already you basically already know who you're gonna hate, which is mm. a good character development. <laughs> Lays things out very well for yeah, us. It yeah, it does. Um, I had a point, but I've forgotten. So if you have any points, oh. I'll try remember my point. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I've just wanted uh, agree that uh yeah it's a very good start to the season we've got our, our magical magical and mundane plots cooking away and it's interesting to see where where things go from here um oh right i remember my point ah. it's interesting like they, they do show it in the show quite well that there's a difference between cersei's men and the men and rob's not rob's men um ned's men not ned's men i'm blah Help me out. King, bear man. Robert's man. Robert's man, yes. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so I was thinking Rob, but like, no, that's the small Stark. No, it's the yeah. actual, the, 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 still this Robert. That they, they definitely don't portray them as a team. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely Cause... show them that this is the Lannisters and this is this is the Baratheon. And yeah. they're still Cersei's completely own... separate. <laughs> Cersei's got her own cadre. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, until... <laughs> Next next time, we will be reviewing uh, episodes three and four of season one. Yep. And until then, I am Fraser of House Robinson. And I'm Kira of House Oldfield. Actually, fits, fun... F the, the name fits really well, actually. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I have a very a, weird name. <laughs> fun fact, there's um actually a House Oldflowers oh, yeah? in the books. But uh, I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Winter Podcast on both both platforms. And uh, until next time, you know, watch out for direwolves, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>